and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message that Tom Job gave on Sunday morning, January 9th, 2022, from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1. Well, I wanted to do this thing during Christmas time. It's just like there's a place in Luke chapter one and two where it's kind of like a a musical where people just burst out into singing. So I was just going to do like different carols that Christmas carols that people sing in Luke chapter one, chapter two. So but anyway, this one is so if you go to like Luke chapter one, there's a story about this. There was an old couple, a guy named Zachariah and his wife was named Elizabeth. They were old and they had never been able to have kids. And so he was... um, but he was a priest, which was, it was like a thing, like one in, uh, there were 20,000 of them in Israel at the time. And so, and like twice a year for um, two weeks, they different, you would have to go to the, to the Jerusalem from your home and serve in the temple and kind of do the, just take care of things. And they would just change out like that. But then one of the duties that they had was like in the, in the morning and the evening, they would offer like the prayers of the people, like the pra- prayers to God and there, and so there was a, in the temple, there was a, a place where people would stand. And then there was a special room where only the priest could go in to do his work, you know, and take care of this and take care of that. And then there was a special, special room that nobody could ever go in except one person once a year. But anyway, so they would go and do all the things that needed to be done, all the daily duties. But once in your life, if you got like, the, uh, it was kind of like draw straws or whatever, if you got picked to offer incense, which were the prayers of all the people, either in the morning or the evening, you might get to do it once in your life. Well, Zechariah, this old guy, so he w- went to the temple to do his you know, two-week duty, and he got picked one day to offer incense on this altar, which was this really gummy, smelly stuff. It would make just like tons and tons of smoke. And it represented the people, the prayers of all the people going up to God, praying for the kingdom to come and for the transformation of the world. And anyway, it was his day. And he got, just by chance, got picked. And then, um, so he was in there where nobody was supposed to be. Okay, so this is what happened. I should have just read it. It would have taken less time. But anyway, then the angel, the, but so, so he's in this room. Nobody's in there, but nobody's supposed to be in there. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, what? Standing at the right side of the altar of incense when he was burning this incense. And all of a sudden there was some, who's in here? And it was an angel in there. And Zechariah saw him and he was startled and gripped with fear. And the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a baby a son and you are going to call him John and he is going to be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth and he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will never drink wine or fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born even from before he's born and he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before the Lord in the so these just tell him about John the Baptist you're going to be his dad in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is the great, this is the greatest news ever. And Zechariah asked the angel, how can I know this? How can I be sure of this? Why should I believe you? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said, I am Gabriel. So 
I stand in the presence of God, and I, I'm just not like any old angel. Come on now, not Clarence. I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news, and you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true in their appointed time. And everybody was waiting and wondering what was going on, and he came out, and he couldn't speak to them, and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, and he made signs to them, but he wasn't able to speak. And then he went home, and back home, and there you go. They, Elizabeth got pregnant. Wow. So um, anyway, so what happened was, okay, so after nine months, then she had, she had John. She had the baby. And like down in verse 58, her neighbors heard about it. And the, what the Lord had shown, the great mercy, and they shared her joy. And on the eighth day, they came to, circ to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But the mother said, nope, his name is going to be John. And they said, you don't have anybody in your family named that. And when they made signs to Zechariah, the father, to find out what he wanted to name the baby, and he asked for a writing tablet, and to their astonishment, he said, his name is John. And immediately, after almost a year, like nine months and however long, um, well, until the baby was, you know, conceived. Then immediately he could speak and, his, and he began talking, praising the Lord. And all the neighbors were filled with awe throughout the whole hill country of Judea. And they were talking about this. And they said, what is this child going to be? And Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he did this awesome thing that people do in Luke 1 and 2. It's like, he just started singing. I just think it would be so... What would people say if you just started singing like this song? You're just so pumped. And he said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. As he said through the holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors, to remember his holy covenant and the oath that he swore to his father, Abra or our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare the way. I mean, this is all singing. I wish I could sing in this. And to give his people a knowledge of salvation and the forgiveness of sins before the tender mercy of our God by, the, by which, and this, the, this is where the music's like really swelling. He's getting to the end of his big song to sing, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Mm. Lord, wow. It's, it's, to understand what, when somebody just starts singing like this, help us to understand this person and ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. So, okay, so I was reading this thing and it was talking about how could you evaluate if you, which day of your life up to this point was my best day ever? You know, those, when you just wake up and you just say, Mr. Sun came up and he smiled at me. It's going to be a good one. Just wait until... <laughs> But uh, you know what I mean? Like, just like, what is your best day? Up to this point, what was your best day ever? And usually when people, usually people's best day ever is not the one they, they were planning on it being like your wedding day. Like when people plan their wedding day, I want this to be the best day ever. It's, that's too much pressure. Like you, everything has to be so super perfect and it just doesn't ever really work out that way. But they, um, I mean, I told you, I mean, some of you probably haven't heard this, but one time I did the, a wedding. And it was a, um, a people I didn't really know very well, but it was at, at um, on a boat dock out off a North Shore. 
And we were all on the dock and the bride and the bridesmaids were coming around in a sailboat around a little cove. And they were gonna dock at the dock and get out of the boat and we were gonna do the wedding on the dock. And, you know, and they had a little motor so it wasn't, but anyway, it was on a Saturday afternoon, September, the only Saturday they ever had an empty Nayland Stadium because of a storm. And there was a storm that came up from the east and the south and just super fast, in like 45 seconds, the sky just turned super stormy. And then, and we were, and they were, we were on the dock and then all of a sudden everything's just blowing and raining and stuff. And here comes the boat. And I'm like, no, you know, cause we're all going up to the clubhouse. Here comes the boat, the boat. And it's like, are we really gonna do this? And like all the bridesmaids were trying to keep their dresses from flying over their head. The motor goes off, turns off. The boat is floating out to Fort Loudon Lake. I mean, just like the bride, you know, it was just every, they were soaked and somebody threw a rope and the bride reached out and grabbed the end of this rope. And otherwise, they'd still be floating out there. And, that, and, and then, we, then we all went up into the clubhouse. Everybody was soaking wet. And I said, this is your best day ever. This, is, this was perfect because this is the way it's going to be, folks. You know, you have it all planned out. It's going to be a disaster. And then, then what are you going to do? But, um, you know, when you try to plan your birthday party and it's your 11th birthday, and you're 111 and you're going to have fireworks. You get to say the speech you always wanted to say. I don't know half of you as well as I would have liked. And I like less than half of you twice as much as you deserve. Oh. And you don't need any birthday presents because you've got the greatest present ever, the precious present. In fact, you're starting to call it that. <sighs> and at the end of the day, you have to give it back. And that does turn out to be your best day ever. So usually people don't know. I've, Abraham Lincoln, people always said the happiest they ever saw him, just his best day ever was, it was the war was over. He and his wife had spent the whole day riding around Washington in a carriage talking about what are we gonna do now? Let's go see the Rockies. Let's go see California. And when we get back, let's go to the Holy Land and see the wonders of the Holy City. And they had dinner together and then they went to his favorite place, Ford's Theater, to see a really funny play. And it was gonna be his best day ever. But the, I, I really, really do believe that he, he came to know Jesus in a personal way. And it turned out that in some ways his, the next day was his best day ever. But so the thing I love about Luke chapter one and two is that there are all these people who didn't know they were gonna have it, but they're having their best day ever. Like a 12 year old Mary planning her best day ever, like planning her wedding probably every day. And all of a sudden, an angel appeared to her, said, you've been chosen to be the Messiah's mom. Oh, this is my best day ever. But I'm not gonna have that other day that I was hoping would be my best day ever. And really every day after this is gonna be harder than it would have been if she had said no. But that was her best day ever and shepherds in their field and every day was just boring and just every day like the other until suddenly the sky lit up and they had their best day ever. And there was an old man named Simeon who was in the temple and he, he was told that he wouldn't, um, he wouldn't um, die before he saw the Messiah. And suddenly, and he didn't know, he knew that one day was gonna be his best day ever. And then all of a sudden, this is your best 
best day ever. They, he saw this couple with a little baby and he realized that the Messiah was the little baby. And he went up to the mom and said, this is my best day ever. Can I hold the baby? He never thought, he, he knew that he was gonna see the Messiah. He didn't know that he was gonna be able to hold the Messiah. I'm having my best day ever. And there was an old woman who she had got, she was a, she was a prophet. And she had gotten married when, I don't know, 12 or 13, that's when they got married. And she had been married for eight years and then her husband died. And he was probably, he probably died at like 21 or something. And then she was a widow for 84 years and went to the temple every day to worship. And she knew in her heart, that's the Messiah, the baby. And she was like, this is my best day ever. And she went up to the mother and said, after he finishes holding the baby, can I have a turn holding the baby? And Mary looked at her and said, I'm gonna say no. Like you're 104, so no, no, that's not gonna happen. Well, it's still my best day ever, you know? So, and then, so, so but before all of them, there was this guy, Zechariah, and he was about to have his best day ever, but he didn't know that. When he was told that, he didn't believe it. And when the day was over, he didn't enjoy it. He didn't enjoy his best day ever. And I mean, to tell you the honest truth, technically, I mean, you could make the case, I think you can make the case, that when you think about what is your, what is your best day ever, it should always be today. Like to, the day you're living should always be the best day ever because today is different than any other day because today is the only day that you can praise Jesus. You can't do it yesterday, it's over. You can't do it tomorrow, you're not there yet. It's the only day you can please him. It's the only day you can say yes to Jesus. It's the only day, well, so like Romans 8, 28 and 29 say that everything in your life, God's working it out for a plan and it's all really, really good and it's, gonna, it's making you like Jesus. So technically you could say as that plan unfolds, I'm closer to, my his goal for me today than I have ever been. Today is the best day ever. And if I wake up and get another day tomorrow, today will no longer be the best day ever. Tomorrow will be the best day ever because tomorrow will be today and today will be yesterday. But until then, this is the, my, I'm having my best day ever. So Zechariah was like, he was having his best day ever. And he said, and he, but he didn't know it. He didn't believe it when he was told it was his best day ever. And when it was over, he hadn't enjoyed it. You're supposed to enjoy every day like it's your best day ever. So why is that? Why, why did he waste his best day ever? Um, so, so Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were a couple who, so they had never been able to conceive kids. And at this point, they were past the ability to do that. And that is a pain that I don't know about because I've never, because we didn't have that. And I've, you know, and I've only read, you know, I've read, I, there was a, I, I was reading a young, a young woman, and she, and she and her husband had not been able to conceive, and they went to a clinic, a, speci a specialist, and the nurse that was doing the questionnaire said, so tell me, she said, well, we've been trying for about a year, and we haven't been able to get pregnant, and so the nurse said, so you're infertile, and she said, you know, we we're just looking for answers. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't say that, and the nurse said, if you've been trying for a year and you can't get pregnant, you're infertile. And she said, okay, if it helps you to say that. 
She said, I remember the day my husband took my face in his hands and said, I want a baby with a face this cute. And his dad was saying to him, you know, Bobby, can't you just do your duty? And his mother was saying to her, if you could just relax, if y'all would just relax. And then they realized, you know, it's not just the pain of it, but then to think that I'm a disappointment to people, to my parents. And I think for them, it was more complicated because in the world of ancient Israel, they had, there had been these promises. The promise, they had been, there was the promise that the, 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 the people of Israel were a special people that God had just formed out of just miracles. And they were the people, and he was going to give them a special land, and he did give them a special land. And they were going to give to the world the Messiah who was going to bring global transformation and the kingdom of God to earth. And every tribe had their allotted land. And within that land, each family had their, their allotted farm. And the idea was that when the Messiah comes, your farmland the real estate value was going to go through the roof when the Messiah is the king of the world, but you pass it down to your kids and they pass it down to their kids and they pass it down to their kids. And it says in Daniel chapter 12 that when the Messiah comes, the dead are going to rise out of the dust and everybody's going to be in their home that they are forever. But then you're not only going to be at a, point, a disappointment to your dad, you're going to be a disappointment to the dead. Because what happens when they come back and said, who lost the farm? How come it didn't get passed down? Who didn't have the kids? You know, and so it, it was probably because there were, there were blessings of the field and blessings of the womb. And it's like, so why didn't we? Why didn't we? Is it that we were disqualified so that I'm doomed to be a disappointment forever? Because somehow something that we did that we're disqualified. The thing that steals the joy of today more than any other thing is feeling like in some way I have some kind of shame for my past that I'm going to have to carry as blame into the future. Like I live in feeling ashamed of days gone by for something that I don't even know what I did. And as a result, I have anxiety. Like I'm sure they felt like who's going to take care of us? We didn't have any kids. We don't have any grandkids. When we're old, who's going to take care of us? And feeling ashamed of days gone by that translate into anxiety about, about you know, the future. There's nothing that will steal the joy of today than yesterday or tomorrow. And it was completely unnecessary because... Luke said they were righteous in the sight of God. And which, it doesn't mean they were perfect. Nobody's perfect. We all mess up every day. But there was just a thing. Like, and for them, I know it was probably confusing, but there were promises about the Messiah and what the Messiah would do. And when, when the Messiah comes to earth, and a lot of it 
wasn't super clear in their mind that when the Messiah comes and establishes his kingdom and all the bloody boots of battle are going to be piled up and burned for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and his name is going to be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Father of Eternity, the Prince of Peace and of the increase of his kingdom. There will be no end. He's coming. The king is coming and he's going to take over this world. But they also had other promises and prophecies 700 years before Jesus ever came to our earth talking about the Messiah and it said, it said, who has believed our report? To whom has the son has to, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Like when the Messiah comes, he'll grow up before, like a root out of dry ground. He has no beauty, no majesty that we should desire. There was nothing about him that should attract us. And we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded. What is this talking about? He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brings us peace was on him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And through the knowledge of my righteous one, he will justify many. What does that mean? It's easy for us to know. But what it means is... That's what, I mean, Jesus is going to come one day and take over this earth. In the meantime, he came to pay for us by dying in that horrible way so that when you believe in him, you're righteous. That's how you're righteous. It means you're not only forgiven, but you're, you are pronounced because of what Jesus did in paying for all of our mess. You're pronounced not only acceptable, but accepted. You are accepted. You're welcomed. You're wanted. You're invited. You're his. You belong to him. So I don't know why. They did not have kids, but it was not because of anything they had to be ashamed of about something in the past. In fact, they had nothing to be ashamed of. And they could have enjoyed every day knowing that my past, whatever was wrong about it, has been taken away in love, and my future has been taken over by love. I can enjoy this day. And you can enjoy today. I mean, we can, I don't have to be ashamed of anything, and I don't have to be anxious about anything, because I am accepted in Jesus, acceptable, loved and lovable, wanted and wantable, invited, welcome wanted. I'm his. He's got me. Okay. So I don't have to worry about the past. I don't have to worry about the future. I can enjoy this day. Okay. What keeps people from doing that? I had a couple of days last week that I did not enjoy as much as I should have. It was unnecessary. Zachariah had his best day ever and he didn't enjoy it. Why does that happen? I think, I think he talked himself out of it. I think we talk ourselves out of it. And so he's in the holy place. He got picked to do the incense thing. It's his best day ever. An angel appears to him. The angel Gabriel and said, this is your best day ever, not because your prayer's been heard. What prayer are you talking about? The one you just did, 
the ones, the prayers of all the people that you offered, that the kingdom of the Messiah is going to come and trans and inaugurate global transformation, the global suppression of all oppression, and initiate and inaugurate global love and goodness. That one, that one you just prayed. It was always going to happen, but God was waiting for the day that you asked for it, that it was your prayer. And not only that, that prayer that y'all prayed about having a baby a long time ago, it's all gotten bundled. So it's all, it's all going to happen. And this is your greatest day ever. And he should have said, I knew it. I knew I wasn't disqualified. And I knew that I wasn't destined to be a disappointment. I knew that I had nothing to be ashamed of and nothing to be afraid of. I knew that my today was not going to be ruined by yesterday or tomorrow. It's not what he said. He said, why should I believe you? Like, how do I know? And it's like, wow. There's something, it's that voice in your head when you're all alone. And well, he wasn't alone. He had an angel. It's, I mean, it's worse. I, I'm, an, I'm an angel of God. I'm telling you this is true. I don't believe you. Do you mean to fly around this room? I mean, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> but there's a voice that runs in your head. Psychologists call it Self-talk. It's what you say to yourself. Maybe I am disqualified. Maybe I, it's all, I can't believe anything good's going to happen to me. Maybe it all is going to be a disappointment. I don't know if I could believe you when you tell me something good is happening to me. I do believe somehow I'm disqualified. I do believe it's going to be a disappointment. I do feel ashamed of my past. I don't know why. I do have a lot of anxiety about the future. I can't enjoy any day. It's just the stuff you say to yourself all the time. There was, a, there, there was a, an experiment that did about 3,500 cell phones that the psychologists called people on their cell phone that they didn't know, and they asked them two questions. When your phone rang, what were you doing? That when your phone rang, what were you doing? And number two, were you thinking about what you were doing? And most people like, oh, I was driving home from work. Were you thinking about that? No, I wasn't thinking about it because I can do it without thinking about it. What were you thinking about? And when people were doing something and they weren't thinking about it, what they were doing almost always was some kind of negative self-condemning talk that loops in their head all the time. This one, they did an experiment in this one class where they took, it was a bunch of kids that were taking um, a psychology class and the teacher divided them into two and he said, okay, this is what I want you to do. In eight minutes, I want you to write a speech on a certain subject and you're going to give it. And you have eight minutes to prepare. And as you prepare it, I want you to prepare out loud what you're thinking and what you're saying and what you're going to write down. In one half of the group, which was in another room, I, when you're talking to yourself, I want you to use the word I. Okay, now I have to do this. Now I have to do that. Now I have to do the other. And to the other half of the group, without the other ones knowing, I want you to use the second person, you. Okay, now you've got to write this. You've got to think about this. These are going to be your points, da, da, da. When the group that used the second person, you, what they said was, okay Tom, okay, Tom, you can do this. Come on, let's write this down. Okay, what are you going to say? You're going to say this. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. When they used the pronoun I, they always said, I don't think I can do this. I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. I can't write a speech in eight minutes. 
And I, you know, I think a lot of us in our self-talk, it's not that we say that. I'm terrible. I stink. I can't do anything right. I just, I, we don't do that. But what we do is we complain. Jesus said it's not the stuff that goes into your mouth that, that defiles you. It's the stuff that comes out of it. And I complain. And when I complain, it's a confession of faith. What I'm saying is I believe that God doesn't really care for me. I believe that God doesn't really take care of me. I believe he doesn't really, I just, I just don't believe he wants to bless me. I must stink in some way. Or we criticize other people. We judge them all the time. Oh, they're just, and what we're saying, it's a confession of faith. I know I stink, but I think they stink too. I think they probably stink more than me. It's just, it's just trying to tell yourself, I don't stink, but I think I do stink. What is, when this should be your best day ever. The, like God, the scriptures say that being justified by faith, I have peace with God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I don't have to be ashamed of my past. I don't have to be anxious about the future. Jesus said, he who hears my word, believes in him who sent me, has everlasting life, will not come into judgment, but has already passed from death into life. I, I don't have to think about yesterday or tomorrow. I can live this day with the God who loves me. And he says in Romans chapter five that the love of God is always being poured out in my heart. God is always telling me that he loves me. The spirit in Romans 8 says, is always bear, bearing with my, with my spirit. You're a child of God. Come on now. Be enjoying this day. You, this is your best day ever. You are a child of God. He's always telling me those things. How can I hear them better? I need to do what Zachariah did. I need to shut up. The angel said, you're not going to be able to speak, bud, for nine months. You're not going to be able to say anything. Was it a judgment? No, it was a blessing. You're not going to be able to complain about anything. You're not going to be able to criticize anyone. You're not going to be able to confess that stuff you believe. You're just going to have to be quiet. You're just going to have to listen. Listen to God tell you how much he loves you so you can enjoy this day. There was a, there was a, there, there was a, a woman, her, a woman whose mother and parents had been missionaries in Africa, they didn't have electricity for 40 years. They didn't have running water for 40 years. It was hot as all get out. They lived in a mud hut. She, her mother was always the happiest person ever. And she never really knew her secret until her mother died and she was looking at her old journals and on the front page of all of her journals, she would always write the same thing. My three rules for living. Never complain about anything, including the weather. Number two, never compare your lot in life with that of anyone else. Number three, never wish that your life was in any way different from what it actually is. I just feel like if, a, so at the end of nine months of Zechariah unable to talk himself out of believing in the love of God, Unable to say that self-talk. Unable to complain, God, you don't love me. And unable to criticize anyone, trying to convince yourself that you don't stink as much as you think other people stink. Unable to do that. When it was over, he burst into singing. That God, that a song about how God has forgiven my sins a song about how I can serve him with, in holiness, not the rest of my life, all of my 
days. I can live a life of days, every day being my best day ever until the Messiah comes like the rising sun and all of eternity is going to be like one big day, one my best day ever. What if you did that? Like, what if you, what if you decided for my New Year's whatever, I am, for the next nine months, okay, for the next month, I am not going, I, you can talk about whatever you want to talk to, I am not going to complain about one thing. Paul said, do it. He said, do everything without complaining. You can do this. You have the Holy Spirit. You can do it. I'm not going to complain about one thing, and I'm not going to criticize anyone. I'm not going to judge or criticize any person for nine months. I'm just going to be silent and see and listen to God tell you how much he loves you and how your past is gone and how your future has been taken over by him. And you, all you have to think about is enjoying this day, your best day ever. And I bet at the end of nine months, if somebody walked up to you, you might just burst into singing. And they might think, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I do. How do we talk ourselves out of believing you? How do we talk ourselves out of believing we're our worst enemy sometimes. <laughs> Give us the power by the power of the Holy Spirit, not to move mountains, not to raise the dead, not to heal the whole world, not to lead everybody that we know to Jesus, but just the power to stop complaining and just the power to stop criticizing so that we will stop talking ourselves out of enjoying this day, which should be our best day ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to see through your eyes. My life is your life. Make every single day another chance to say, I want to please you more. I want to love you, Lord. I want to live like I and I want to make you smile today Change the way I see Lord, grow the heart in me Change the way I feel And show me what's I want to see through your eyes My life is your life Make every single day Another chance to say I want to please you more I want to love you Lord I want to live like I'm your child And I want to make you smile today 
Another chance to say I wanna 